Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Fly OOH, 114, ready for takeoff. All right. You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Are you locked into the Out of Home Podcast? You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast. Featuring Kieran, Kwame, Yaf, and Stephen. You London boys are crazy. Oh, everyone. Oh, sick, sick, sick. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Yo, yo, yo. Now I just need to find out where we are again. Oh, here we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. We in this. We in this. Christine, thank you for holding us down, boy. For real? It's all good, man. I just remembered before, Zach. I saw 40 minutes pop up and I was like, you man are in a fruit loose demo thing, man. So let me pat this up. Wow. Oh, bro. I love it already, fam. That's a fruit loose demo. Oh. Bro, man used to bang fruit loose, bro. Oh, my days. Bang. 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 Does that mean that you're you're down with fruit loose, Christian? No, I just remember because I remember one time I came out from like Reading Festival and my brother was like indoors and he just had it on and like the way our hard drive was like proper whirring like it was like Heathrow like a plane was about to take off. This is going to be I, a funny podcast. And I turned, I turned it off and the way this guy switched at me because I didn't know anything about oh, he was leaving it on because his, his beat he was making his beat obviously through the night whatever and I, still, I was like this guy's wasting electricity. You know them ones you've got like the power, the power key Back in the day. Yeah. An emergency and that. And he just left it on. And I was like, I'm turning this shit off, bro. He must have woken up and he saw me like, oh, man, I was... <laughs> These times, man's been working <laughs> on the beat for like four days. Yeah. And he didn't man. want to turn it off. And back then, you know, he had to save on a floppy disk. <laughs> and Christian just said, yeah, fuck this, fam. Struggle, man. <laughs> He's just there like Ryan, Ryan Leslie, some shades on the dock. I'm trying to sleep. Days. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my days. Well, if you tuned in today, I'm not going to say what day it is because Yaf will slaughter me. You're tuned into uh, the Out of Home podcast with your boys, Kieran, Kwame, Yaf, without Stephen. Big shout out to Stephen. But we are joined today with a very special guest, a homie, if you may, the creator of a phrase which has made us laugh for about two weeks straight. The phrase was, or even a name for the man on the ground. The very, the one and only, sorry, from Gary Lineker. <laughs> we have Christian. What's your last name, Christian? I was going to say. Adolfo. Say again. Um, Adolfo. Adolfo. See, I have to ask him, yeah? Because yeah, you butchered JoJo's last name. I butchered yeah. JoJo's last name. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> brother, I did. How are you, bro? I'm good, man. Just, uh, I feel like, no, first and foremost, thank you guys for letting me on here. I'm buying you guys up right now, but no, bro, you let us on technically because you sent us the Zoom link, so we should be thanking you <laughs> yeah, big more than anything. No, but yeah, we've been listening to you guys for for a while now. It's been it's been lovely to kind of hear your growth, and I'll be just there with my little like wheelie trolley on a Saturday morning, and I'll just be like creasing my face mask. Then I would like call your antics and stuff, man. but it's love, man. How how is it as a as a listener, like? 
just like tuning into us because obviously we create this shit sometimes and you listen back to it and we you kind of listen to yourself and the guys but you hear you hear things differently but as a package and as a listener like what's it what's it been like for you bro it's been great i think like it's almost happy and kind of pride as well because you guys are like you know from 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 the uk and you've you know been living out i guess a lot of people's kind of dreams you know a lot of young young black black kids or young black boys it's very hard for them when they're kind of growing up in london to dream about like leaving the ends or Mm. what it would look like to leave and to have it in with you guys in europe kind of experience and letting people know you know there's a, there's a life outside it's like it's been great to hear and you were still quite close as well in that respect so yeah it's Wave been amazing well um before we get into like letting our listeners know who you are and what you do and getting into just this podcast parlaying, parlaying chopping it up breaking it down um let's start this podcast like we should and ask you Christian what's made you smile this week It's a very confronting question, isn't it, Christian? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? It's been, well, what's made me smile has been, I guess, the kind of collective, I don't want to um, ruin your kind of segue, but like, yeah, the kind of collective response to how everyone has kind of shown up and supported what I've been what I've been building over the last like three years in um Amazing. in writing this book and even doubling back. Oh the fingers up. Good sir, for the out of homies around the world, what book are you talking about? <laughs> All right, so the book is um a quick thing on Afrobeats. That's Yay! that's the book, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's been amazing to to finally have it out in the world, you know. And it's just people, not forgot about people, but people from different times in my life that have kind of shared messages and loads of support and having this physical thing in your hand and seeing different people have it. That's what's been the most like, mind-blowing thing, like thinking you guys could take it anywhere. You could go on holiday or it could be in your yard or whatever. It's like wild to me. So that's, that's what's made me smile this week, yeah. Uh, just a quick one on that. Ooh, a quick one. Wonder <laughs> <laughs> oh, how many times that's gonna happen. <laughs> um, what what is a quick thing on Afrobeats about? So it's about the journey of, I guess, um, West African music and 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 in the wider kind of diaspora. So I guess when people see the title, they think, "Oh, it's going to be." the kind of present iteration of Afrobeats, which it is, but it's more a hook in to let people go back to the past, look at it from a kind of high life Afrobeat kind of era and early, early kind of like um, kind of 40s and 50s all the way to the present day where we run through like um, different genres like bugger high life, which people might not, not be too kind of familiar about, hip life, um, different kind of dances, different kind of actors, uh, the women that have kind of played a kind of key role. Um, and in the future, and a kind of homecoming 
which has been happening in the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it's that, it's, that, it's that journey, really. Well, no, thank you for the um, quick synopsis on that. That's really appreciated. <laughs> thank you very much. Um... <laughs> right, I've tallied two now, and we're not even 10 minutes in. It's just going to keep getting funnier, though, you know that. Oh, my God. Oh. I have to go last just for like dramatic effects. Kwame what made you smile this week bro oh boy uh, what made me smile this week was yeah I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag um, hopefully the hopefully the, the PR officer won't be too angry but we went into the editing suite this week for Golden Generation okay um, okay 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 Really excited to start like working side by side with our great editor and cinematographer Doug Hancock about the trailer we released in early Jan. It's available on what do you call it, Vimeo. Not all good bookstores, but you can can catch it on Instagram <laughs> and many other places. Um, so yeah, like it's really nice to kind of be in that creative environment. And I think we all have it. And Kristen, I guess you could attest to this. A lot of times with these kind of things, you work in silo, but it's nice when you when you have to kind of link up with someone. So for you, it might have been maybe with your editor or the publisher per se, like, and if they ain't chatting was and, and they're not a pagan and you're on the same page, it's a beautiful thing. So um, I really enjoyed going into Panics and just, yeah, like just um, bringing this film to life and obviously with you, man, making some um, great comments all the way there in London. And I'll pass it over to young Kieran Kenlock. Young Kieran Kenlock is growing into a man, I'll tell you that for free, fam. <laughs> These bills are hitting, man, like you never knew. My mum came round today and she dropped off some letters. I said, why have you got so many letters for me, bruv? You know, when you were younger and a letter would come through the door, you'd run to pick it up and open it and be like, oh my God, I got mail. Fam, I see those shits. I want to throw them straight in the bin without even opening them because you know it's a problem. But anyway, that is not what made me smile this week. What made me smile was the weekend, didn't it? Like, linked up with Yaf on Friday. And we linked up with um, Abdu, Abby, Koda, uh, Julian, and Nkwesi eventually. And it was just like a complete vibe from the moment that we touched down. Obviously, it was like a triple celebration. Yaf, I don't know if you want to get into whatever your celebration was, but we're celebrating something for Yaf, celebrating life, you know what I'm saying? I was celebrating my year in, uh, in London. And Abdu got some really good news too, which I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag like Kwame did, but it was some dope news too. So we, we, we were at Peckham Levels first, but the highlight of that evening, the highlight of that evening was the drive from Peckham Levels to White City, Soho House. It was myself, Yaf, Julian and Koda in a car. And from the moment the ignition turned, on that engine, oh, bro. rhythms were being run, run and raps were being rapped. Oh my gosh, bro. <laughs> like, honestly, I sat there in the back next to Coda, yeah? Coda is a bar. Genius, bro. Like, Forget Kanye, bro. <laughs> Coda is the real genius, fam. fam. like, you know when you're sitting next, Kanye. you know when you're sitting next to someone that is just like, and he's freestyling, but he's popping off. You just forget about yourself. So when even when it, when the mic came round to me, now I'm like, I forgot how to freestyle, fab. Like you not go again. But it was vibes. It was vibes. It was it was sick, man. Obviously, um, had a good had a good time with them. Lot the night went on. I also had a date on Sunday. Very good. Very good. 
Um, mm-hmm. But that's all that you are going to get from that. You mm-hmm. get me? Maybe later on you might find out more, but okay. it's good. Yaf, what made you smile? Okay. Um, so my what made you smile isn't necessarily uh, something that brought joy to me, but it was fucking funny. <laughs> so let me just put it to you like this, yeah. Spoke to my dad while I was in Cameroon. Said, yo, when are you going on holiday, big man? It's been a while. Mm-hmm. I think with like... Are that older generation, they're just so sceptical about travelling COVID. Like, they just think it's not possible. Mm. Like, nah, bruv, you can travel in it. Where are you trying to go? I don't speak to my dad like this, but I'm just, you know, paraphrasing. And then... um, (laughs) Make it quick. Yeah. (laughs) Small, small. Um, So he said to me, whilst I was in Cameroon, in Douala, that he would like to go to St. Lucia. Okay. I said, cool, all right. Let me just do a quick Google. (laughs) Quick Google. (laughs) Man, please, man. I'm sorry. The AR thing's got to stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mate, you guys had loads of Panda Pops for you to step 20 fingers. Hey, listen. Panda Pops. Hey, I've been drinking water, fam. <laughs> but anyway, man Googled the thing to see if St. Lucia was travelable, right? And it was all good. It was all good. There was no COVID restrictions. It was calm. Travelable. So we, we sorted that out. He was flying on Monday. Monday just gone. Yeah. And so there was a lot of stuff that we had to do, like PCR test. Um, all the sort of pre-travel requirements we done those right mm-hmm. we even pre-booked an Uber for him mm. cool mm. All I'm right. with you I'm with you that <laughs> was at 10 o'clock on Monday we've done everything we've gone to sleep but on Sunday <laughs> my brother has pulled up at like 9 o'clock with a bottle of wine and dominoes <laughs> and he said yo you man it's dad's last day before he travels let's drink some wine and play some dominoes my dad's asleep at this point. He knows he got early wake up, bruv, the next day. So he's chilling. He gets up to come and play dominoes with us. My brother's pouring him wine. My dad said, stop, that's cool. Man keeps on pouring, bruv. Like, my brother came to turn up before my dad's last day in St. Lucia. So we're chilling now, we're chilling. And I'm just looking at my dad, yeah. I'm like, this brother is tired, fam. Like, he is forced. I'm like, dad, just go to sleep, innit? Anyway, long story short, I've gone to bed at like 12.30. This guy is still up with my brother and he has to be up. The Uber's booked for 5.45. I'm like, has he packed and everything? Yeah, yeah, everything. Okay, all of that cool, sort. Cool, I'm cool. like, fam, what are you on? So anyway, I'm like, are you good for tomorrow? Yeah, bless. Uber's calm. All right, cool. So I'm sleeping, yeah, fast asleep. It must be about 6 a.m. on Monday morning. The Uber was booked for 5.45. I just hear my dad like, Jaden! <laughs> He's like, Jaden, the Uber cancelled. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's just woken me up straight away, isn't it? I'm like, oh my days. How's the Uber cancelled on him, fam? Oh, so I'm just thinking, I've already, I've, I've heard that and I've, I haven't said anything, but I've just gone on my phone. I'm trying to order, like find an Uber, innit? Yeah. So then... I'm chilling and then I just hear JD sniggering on the stairs. She's just like, I'm like, what's funny? She just gets my dad's phone and she shows me this, yeah? And she showed me the screen and my man had messaged my dad to say, I have arrived. And this was at 5.45. So we was like, dad, what was you doing at five? Like, what time did you wake up? He said, oh gosh, I wake up like five minutes ago. So the Uber didn't cancel on you, big man. You overslept because you were doing up lifestyle the day before. And now you're in a pickle, bruv, innit? And now you want us to get you out of this pickle, fam. So anyway, no time to dwell on that L. No time to dwell on that L. We've tried to order Ubers. Ubers are cancelling, cancelling, cancelling. All right, fuck it. I'm going to take you to the um, station and you just get a quick train, innit? 
this guy is just moving mad. Like, halfway on the journey, he forgot, like, something that he needed. He left his laptop. Just just moving mad, mad erratic, innit? It sounded like me when bro. I was trying to go to Cameroon, bro. Moving mad, yeah? So then, anyway, we've, we've kind of got over that hurdle now. He's on the, he's on the train. He's going to uh, Gatwick. And then I'm back at home now, chilling. I'm like, oh, phew. Like, that was not how I planned to start my Monday, but here we are, innit? Mm. So then I get a call from my dad. <laughs> I get a call from my dad. I like, I'm gonna call it 8:45-ish here. And he goes, his I'm like, yo, dad. He's like, yeah, I have to come back home. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why do you have to come back home, dad? All my hard work, all our hard work. Like, what's happened here? And he's basically, this is like the sad part, but basically. He had to fill out a passenger locator form oh. for St. Lucia. But you know, bro, you know, like, That's these places, stress, yeah, like man. Africa, the Caribbean, they, when they try to do something too certain, it's just too much, bro. Like, and they, they, I feel for your dad, bro. So he got there, yeah, and he couldn't do the passenger locator form because you have to do it at least two days before you travel. Yeah. What? I'm just like, fam, like, do you know how much times I've traveled to the UK and banged the passenger locator form? In the airport. The airport, bro. I was just like, this is just classic, innit? Caribbeans and Africans who are in charge of laws, please loosen up and stop trying to be so official, Sam. That's all I got to say. Um, long story short, that was a mazar. I then had to, like, rebook all the flights, just spend my whole Monday morning, essentially, like, reclaiming this L, bruv, and trying to turn it into a dub. Um, but it just made me laugh, because, like, my dad was just all over the place, innit? Tried to say that Uber cancelled on him. When we was on the car, in the car on the way, he was like, Dad, just to make it quicker, just do contactless when you're at the train. Man was like asking, does he need to send money to his other account to do contactless? I was just like, oh, fam, fam. So anyway, anyway, he's traveling tomorrow. Okay, good. So I'm going to ask you. <laughs> and I'm going to accompany him to the airport okay, to good. make sure everything runs smoothly. Okay, good, good. And that is my story, ladies and gentlemen, Kwame, oh, wow. Christian and Kieran. Uh, well, I'm very, very glad that Unks is able to travel to St. Lucia and enjoy his holiday. I'm glad to. But you are right about um, just Jamaican or Caribbean and African people that hold the keys, man. They move too tight, everybody. Too tight. Get off me. Just get off me, bro. Get off me. But, you know, that was our segment for What Made You Smile. And I, I really want to get into a little bit more about Christian and, and what he's been up to. Obviously, you are uh, an author. Then is this your first book, bro? Trust me. Yeah, finally, your first book. What like what was the um, like what made you write that? Like what what was the the thinking behind it? What was the process like? Can like, I ask a good question before that? Yeah, go on, Christian. Do you, what do you call yourself? Like, do you do you consider yourself a writer, author? Poet, like, how do you define yourself? I think when I reflect on that, probably like a, a storyteller and a curator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think in that field, yeah, that's what I kind of call it myself. Okay, cool. Yeah. Storyteller, sounds good. Uh, uh, yeah, but like, yeah, tell us about like what drove you to write that, man, because that's a huge undertaking. Like, it'd be interesting to just, like, like, unpack that a little bit, understand, um, yeah, where you started and take it from there. Yeah, so the journey probably started maybe 
2010, 2011. Damn. Wow. So when you come out, when you come at uni, you like, like to call it no plans land. Yeah. Like, oh my lord. When I reflect on it now, it's just mad. Like you come out it's and then funny. no plans land. Yeah. Honestly, it's no it's plans land. You you come out and like bro, I'm still there, bro. Mate. <laughs> Nothing planned, everything patterned. Man's chilling in NPL, fam. <laughs> <laughs> no plans, lad. Hey, NPL. Oh, man. Honestly, you come out and then, you know, when you come, you, you come back, you come back to, to ends and you're like the first born. You think everything should be like very linear in terms of that kind of path and very smooth. In terms of, yeah, the same. You listen to your parent for so long and you take their advice and then cool, cool, you get your education, get your your undergrad and you come out and like, yeah, I want to get a job, like whatever, I'll get a job. And very quickly and dawned on me that all my other friends were getting jobs, getting the, going the graduate schemes, getting like the other regular nine to fives. And very quickly and dawned on me that it wasn't going to happen for me in that way because I knew that I, I, I wanted, when I finished uni that I, I wanted to write and it was it was quite hard it was very hard initially because you know I'm writing and trying to do this thing you know started writing up for like kind of music blogs then I go to like um, to Brixton to to Live Magazine yeah. shout out to Live Magazine man honestly <laughs> and um, I go there and I'm like dressed up like as a proper like job interview and stuff all like my, my shirt and my tie this is in the summer so it must have been at least like 30 degrees and stuff where was your shirt from big man respectfully was it from BHS or Mark Spencer's I'm wondering how formal were you trying this team <laughs> it's probably cherry shop I'm allowed to oh, okay, okay. Sustainability yeah, vibes, like, like that like that early, early yeah. <laughs> that vibe. so yeah go there and like because I'd been in all these other kind of different settings or you know tried to go to the job centre because my mum was like oh yeah you can get a job, whatever, go there, and you're just sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, like, "Is this life?" I've I've worked for like three years to work hard, and now I'm back here in the ends in the job center, and the guy is looking at me, he's like trying to advise me for like a job, like it's not correlating with my degree, whatever. So I just had to make a decision. I really honor like it's going to be a long road, but I need to kind of really hone in and focus on. Mm on writing so initially it was all around kind of music and culture and you know I had a great opportunity through that that magazine they had a link up with The Guardian so for their for The Guardian's last ever issue uh, from a music issue they let us take over um, this was December 2011 but the year prior to that I'd written my own blog and I'd written I used to just write like I used to treat it like a job so I used to be writing from like nine that nine ten in the morning, all the way to like four five a.m. I was just, just what? writing. What what was the what was the blog called? What was the blog called? It's still like this. Called uh, what are you saying? What are you saying? Yeah, yeah. Our very own Kwame had a blog too. Did he? Yeah, yeah. What was it called again? Uh, I don't know because the government shut me down. But anyway, Critton, as you were, as <laughs> always, man. Oh man, it quickly like pawned off. Um, so yeah I was at, I was on that blog and I wrote like a blog post like about all these I was on this probably YouTube wormhole and I found all these songs that I remember from like all these hall parties I used to go to when I was younger and it just like stirred a memory I was like I was writing about songs that I had forgotten about and just 
the community and the the people around it and that kind of flavor posted it onto like um onto Facebook at the time. And I remember one of the guys I was with at uni, he was like to me, he liked it and was like, I know you got your mum and dad to help you write this thing. I was like, mm, big man, they were asleep. What are you talking about? Like, Sneak this is there, bro. Yeah. So I said that to say like, yeah, so then a year later, this opportunity comes to The Guardian and I'm just like, wow. Let me pitch this and see where I can go. So it was like, it was about British stars of African heritage and songs reminded them of their childhood. So at first I was standing out with his interviews and I wasn't getting anywhere at all, man. It was just like tumbleweed, like <laughs> Tesco carrier bag in the air, just floating. Nothing was coming back. Like, And then I think maybe like two weeks before we went to go to publish, everyone started to pick up. So then you know, I was able to speak to Skepta, Dizzy Strider, Sway, Estelle, Deneo, um, um, Shingi from the Shinga from the Nozets, Maki Kawanuka, like all these different people um, were able to give me like one song that you might which reminded me of their kind of childhood Amazing. and growing up. And within that, you know, there were all these different kind of themes and memories in terms of like struggle or love or like connection to their family. And it was just interesting that even though they were like almost in my head, like on the pedestal, all these songs from this that whole party or from the home it made them feel like they were, they were children again. So that was like kind of early basis in terms of, oh shit, like I can write about people's heritage and not feel like it's going to be seen as like some anthropological kind of study because mm. it really comes from within. So that's the kind of early start. That hey, journey, yeah. hey Christian, you, um, so obviously we're international podcasters. We have listeners all around the globe and um, you mentioned hall parties. Yeah. Like, Explain what a hall party is for... Is there something on Netflix about that? Did I see? Or am I capping? I don't know. I don't want to say you're capping because I don't know. Yeah, I think there's... No, I think something launched this week. Yeah. Really? Yeah, Toby. Toby, yeah. How's that Toby? She's another writer on Quiz and Guns Series, yeah. Yeah, so like... So for me personally, it was like... You're going to... My mum used to love like taking us on like weekend tours up until a certain age of like different functions all around literally so uh, it would be like the main the main one like the mecca for me was Brudel Farm so you go in there and like I, I like to call the Tottenham I, I like to call Tottenham like Treat Tweet Broadwater Farm as well yeah I'm like to, I like to call Tottenham or as I call it Treat Tweetenham like because when I <laughs> you go in there and it's like you're seeing there's a small hall and there's a big hall and then you, you, you walk in and it's like the all the kids are playing like football with the coat cans and stuff like looking around and then you walk in you're carrying like the, you're helping your mom carry the big kind of pots of jollof and, and stew and stuff and then the other kids that are playing in the arcades and you're going a bit further and then like you know, you're greeting every auntie and uncle you drop the basin off you drop the food off in the, in the kitchen and then all of a sudden it's the music is like bringing everyone together mm. yeah everyone together and it was like for me it was just like kids that were born here but have heritage uh, from from Nigeria or from Ghana elsewhere it was, it was almost that kind of weekly check-in um, not just for yourself but for your parents to like see their peers speak their own language 
um, eat and drink and just like really reconnect after after a long week. That's, that's what it was felt like for me. That culture is so sick, fam. I have a question for you, Christian, because you spoke about um, after, like in uni and after you knew that you was going to write and you was going to play the long game. I think a lot of people, they don't <clears> really know what they want to do after uni or they fall into no plans land and see that it's a bit peak. So what was it? Have you always known that you wanted to write and be a storyteller slash curator? I love you. So <clears throat> I got into this thing by accident. Two things. One, the last term of uni, the landlord cut off the internet. So I was at home, I was bored as fuck. So I was yeah. like, I need, wow. I need to do something. So then... Why did he cut off the thing though? Basically, it was because my other housemates weren't, <laughs> weren't paying up the thing though. Yeah, so then we're like, do you know what? I've had enough of bailing you guys out. So then I just started writing about like a typical week in uni. So like every Monday night was like our main, well, one of the main quote-unquote like R&B hip-hop. What uni did you go to? Uh, in Kent. I went to the uh, University of Kent in Canterbury. Okay. So you, you were down in Cuban and them things there? Cuban, <laughs> The Works, Aubrey's. There's another club, I've forgotten the name. But yeah, yeah, I was, I was about a little bit, not as much as other people, like frontline skanking and stuff, but yeah. Not very much, but, but yeah, like, um, being, being in that environment and just like, writing about like that typical week, like, you know, going into the dancing, just like all the man, I'm just like, I call it like a labyrinth, all the man them are just like, posted them aside, I'm like, why are you man like, playing stuck in the mud for like, get involved and start dancing and stuff and then yeah. you're dancing because you're licked and then they're all screw facing you because all the girls are dancing around it's like it's not that deep mate just get in the middle get stuck in and just like enjoy yourself like stop trying to like be posted like a meerkat on the side <laughs> <laughs> man said posted like a meerkat fam. um Quentin I have a question for you actually um during your uni era because I think it runs parallel to mine was it were, okay were speaking you, to uh, me were you engrossed in when, like, when were you engrossed in, like, the Funky House takeover? I, I say I was probably... After your time. I keep using analogies here. So, <laughs> we love I'll say know. I was probably... What am I saying? I was probably zone three, zone four. So, let's say I was, like, probably, like, Friendship Park with Green, whilst the other man were, like, proper, you know... So one up the circus. I was in the periphery watching all the stuff there, and then you lost Kwame for a second, boy. I saw Kwame's face now. <laughs> I think he lost everyone. What? For a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was like, I was like, is, is he talking, talking about like basketball or, or zonal market? And then I realized you're talking about right. CFL. You're talking about it's, transport it's for London. Right yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, I was, I was out on the, on the let's say I was in the kind of periphery a bit, but looking in because I had friends of mine that were like. They were promoters as well as the same time being at uni. So I'm going to the raves and, you know, one of them was cousins, raised cousins with um, like Mr. Silver and that. So when he's coming down like, to before the event, or whatever, we're with him, we're, we're jamming with them like, in the house. And then when they go on stage and you're seeing how he kind of interacts with the DJ and um, how everyone is. No, I mean, I feel like in that period of time, everything was just like, it's positive, man. Like, it was mad. I've never seen like, a, the dance united so much that, like, you know, and you're calling out what kind of country you're from and no one's really booing. Like, everyone's just like, 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Mm. You know, gun fingers and just like waving their scarves at the country and everyone's in a circle and doing the wish like <laughs> you know macho dances and stuff like that yeah, it was yeah it was it was beautiful man and um why I say silver because I feel like he was someone you know he came from previously being like a grime MC but what I found is that there's a trait of a lot of young really kind of prominent people within that scene after after swing scene who at some point during school or like secondary school primary school they were sent back to like you know like Ghana Nigeria or, or wherever and then when they go back and really understand the kind of roots of their kind of culture in, in silver sense even collaborating and speaking with some like high life artists out there and really coming back with like that proper vim and that proper deep power of like you know can tell me anything because I know who I am and what stuff that's what he brings back into the music and this is pride yeah that's dope man that's so- really so you was so you was um your internet got locked off and you was writing about like a typical week in uni. Yeah. And then what happens from there? So then um and then another, another thing happened. So at the time I was playing like sports quite a lot. So I wasn't really I guess not so much kind of creative, but the girlfriend or someone I was seeing at the time, she was writing for the student newspaper, but I'd somehow gone to like do like a review of a club night, but didn't really know kind of a lot of the music there. So I ended up writing like two, I like ghostwrote like two articles for the, for the student newspaper for her. And it kind of gave me like an idea like, oh shit, I wasn't even at this place, but they read, someone's retelling me about their kind of experience, but I can make it into something quite palatable. Mm. So like from, from then on, yeah, I, I came out of uni, uh, was kind of writing about, I guess, kind of music, um, culture, Doing a lot of like going, doing a lot of like live gig reviews, album reviews, and yeah, it was it was just amazing because I just loved getting that like, free music and just like listening to it like months in advance before everyone and just like really getting deep with the words and stuff. Did you did you know you was popping? Because like certain times you might take up a hobby, and it's like, all right, cool, isn't it? Like I'm I'm okay at drawing or I'm okay at making a beat on the free loops demo thing, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> Some people they kind of just leave it at that, innit? So like what was it what was it within you that was like, no, like I actually want to see if I can pursue this? Did like did you know you were sick, basically, is my question. I'm trying to think of a humble way to say yes. <laughs> I'm going, yeah, I can't I can't I've humble is in my DNA, I can't even try and guess it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna lie to you. Uh-huh. 
um, it was probably after that, a bit after that kind of Guardian uh, article, and I was doing a, a couple of interviews here and there, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is this is sick." And no, still to this day, whenever like you know, an Aquami will kind of test this, I test this as well. Like when you when you when you see your name in like in, in kind of or your work in kind of print form that you kind of share and know that this is like will be part of your archive or kind of part of your legacy. That's what kind of got me at the time. I was like, okay, so all these different people like reading or listening and it's essentially just part of history now. So someone can take take from it what they can and stuff. But I think I say that to say, you know, another kind of seed which helped me was you know, R.I.P. Jamal. Because I went to... Um, an SBTV Christmas party just after that came out. And I remember speaking to loads of people that read, read, read the article. And one person I spoke to was um, Akala. And he was doing that, like, kind of tough tough love uncle thing where, like, so, yeah, it's just good, good, but you can go a bit deeper in this. And at the time, inside, I was like, you just go talking, like, what's going on, kind of thing. But then... On reflection now, no, it was it was like an inkling for me to kind of connect the dots a bit more and go a bit deeper on um, on history and that, that journey. Yeah, it's mad. I feel like when I'm whilst I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, you were living, you were living your book, like from the jump, really and truly, right? Like from the hall parties to rocking it out in Cuban on a Monday, like. <laughs> like you, 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 you were actually like a living embodiment of the work that you've eventually gone on to create. So, like, what? How much of? I know you were drawing from other people's like experiences and other people's uh, thoughts and feelings about the music of that time. But how much of like your experience have you now put into the book? Yeah, it's it's, it's a weird one because you know at present I feel like with a lot of when a lot of kind of black writers or recent ones have been asked to kind of write books, there's always the kind of, there's the quest to be the first, which is a double-edged sword because you want to kind of tell your story and you, and you want to get your, I guess to a certain extent, like, speak about the kind of trauma you've been through. But on the other instance, it's like, how do I write about something but I can intertwine so people can, can see like how intrinsic it is to like my identity and how I kind of grown up. So the first part, when I kind of go into it, I talk about my mom and dad being like kind of curators in a way of of these whole parties that my dad DJ and my mom MC in and I kind of compare kind of way. So and yeah. So like controlling the vibe, setting the vibe and stuff. Um I also talk about there's a Ghanaian uncle he's still there and really wrote <clears throat> right now got Uncle Francis and he used to come around like every every Sunday um, afternoon after church and he'd bring like all the latest tunes from like West Africa and we just sit there and it was like like a listening party almost like quality control and we'd go through and my dad would be like pretty much like do you rate this or not and be like nah or like do you think it's one slaps but yeah then he'd, he'd like pick it because he knew that we were almost like in the and kind of uh, kind of tastemakers in a way so that's another kind of key part and then it's almost as if the whole party started to die down a bit 
then I go on my own journey when um, I I go to uni and I guess get more attuned and get more kind of pride with my blackness. And I think another thing intertwines with that is um, I talk about in the book is um, the 2008 African Cup of Nations and then the 2010 World Cup. There's kind of key um, key moments where, you know, the first one, the, the, the former is when the African Cup of Nations is held in, in Ghana for the first time in a long time. This is around the time like where... Um, I guess on early kind of Azonto is kind of coming through. And then in 2010, when, when Ghana go on that run um, to the quarterfinals and all the different kind of dances and, you know, obviously you got Asamoja and Baby Jet as well. Like, Baby Jet geez. in this bit. Oh my <laughs> days. Yeah. So when you see that on the front as well, you're just like, I remember just like, it was mad, man. Honestly, like people throwing supermort bottles all along Tottenham High Road and stuff like celebrating and waving flags and just the pride of seeing that, you know. And then it, England had got knocked out as well pretty early on in that tournament. I remember, I remember. And and Ghana almost became everyone in this country became like their second team to kind of support. So even double more pride to be like, yeah, that's where I'm from, repping. So like. Those are, that's, that's another kind of key moment in terms of like reconnecting with my heritage and just being even more proud. Yeah. If I can, if, if I can chime in, um, um, I'm from South East London. So um, if I'm honest with you, there wasn't uh, the population, the Ghanaian population, it, it wasn't as a dense as it was in North London. Like you, you can definitely hear your uncle and auntie on every street corner in North London. But in South East London, it's more, we're kind of overran more by Nigerians and Jamaicans or what have you. So I remember like, I would tell people in school, oh, where are you from? And they'd be like, Ghana. And there's no reference in it. Like they're not, they're not like scholars. They're nine years old playing Papboo. They, they got like holes in their kit because they're, they're, they're dealing with a lot of issues in their life, isn't it? And then I remember, like, you made references to, like, and it showed me, and I've really show, 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 um, realised this over time, power of sport. So because of Ghana were doing bits in the AFCON, and especially in the World Cup, Luis Suarez is a real pagan, <laughs> like, people from all over the world had a reference point to Ghana. And like you said, not only because of, of their plucky, like, style of play and good, and, and good players, but, 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 but because of their dancing, they kind of, like, spread a joy, like, like, within the world. So for a lot of people, that might have been their first link or insight into West African culture or like Ghanaian times and whole parties, maybe not whole parties, but let me, let, me, let me close with this. As a writer, um, not an author, but you know, I'm trying to write you, Christian, big man. Asamoah Jan said, be sexy like cheese, fam. I'm going to hey, Be yeah. sexy like cheese. Some, Some people have a real addiction How to cheese. sexy? Yeah. Like it's a, there's like a clinical term for sexy, addiction man. to cheese, bruv. And people love it, fam. So some people might think cheese is sexy. You get me? Thank you for trying to justify that for us, Jam, But goodness me. It's the first time I've heard that, bruv. It's the truth, bruv. Sexy like cheese. But no, but no, but Christian, I, I had a question. Like you were speaking before about being like a double-edged sword about writing, you know, the first official book on, on Afrobeats, you know, which has been a long time in the making you know, for you. But, like, 
you know, for, I, I, I think for a lot of artists, when they're making their first albums, we're going back to music here, you know, a lot of rappers per se would mm. listen to like classic albums to inspire them. Was there any kind of material or reads or books that like you were, you were re- re- referencing to kind of like start you on your journey or would you just like plug in away due to like internet issues because of Larry? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kind of plugging away really. I've been quite lucky. You know, I've had a couple of people kind of loan me books or I've kind of dug in and seen a lot of kind of academic kind of papers and research to really show that it's not just like people's opinions, but there are statistics and there are surveys and political events that kind of impacted how culture develops and how culture kind of um, thrives as well. And from the academic side, you know, people who are really, really like up to date and they've gone in and shout out to them because you know, they're writing like loads of words and doing lots of kind of different kind of qualitative and clinical kind of studies and data to kind of bring things to light. But to kind of have that as a basis, people have been so kind of rigorous and me to kind of lift things just so people know or understand stuff about like different kind of shifts in terms of like, say for instance, how migration from West Africa to the UK when that kind of starts and how after a certain time the most dominant um, black ethnic group is is no longer people of kind of Caribbean heritage, it's people of West African heritage and how that has knock-on effects in terms of uh, who attains um, highest kind of qualifications when you go into that kind of roster group or kind of higher high education kind of setting. Christian, can you dive into that? Sorry to cut you. Can you dive into that for a bit? Because I think that's quite interesting. I think coming from um, a Caribbean household where when I was growing up, everyone was trying to be Jamaican and, you know, a lot of that language was influencing slang. To now, like, when I look at culture in London and to your point around West African culture sort of having more of a dominant influence within black, black culture... I'm just curious to get your view, seeing as you've like you know you've dived into yeah. it so much. So I guess it it, it comes around a kind of UK funky um, chapter I've written about because you know when we talk about uni raves and we're talking about like those kind of very early entrepreneurial um, promoters and who put put who, who puts those kind of raves on. Those are very in the early early 2000s, you're seeing more and more people of that kind of heritage because they're realising that they're leaving London but then they can't really get, you know, the kind of same blend of music. So we're going to create kind of coach parties to bring everyone together in these like 2,000, 3,000 cap venues invariably outside of London but with a very heavy, you know, West African, um, oops, (laughs) West African um, population there and then on top of that as well um, you know, they also realised that when they're holding like Nigerian independence dances and Ghanaian independence dances there's a gap in the market because you're seeing all the numbers of people that come to these raves but then that's the only time you're seeing them so you're thinking okay how can how can we make it so if we have these events more regularly and have people that are from that background listen to this music that they can kind of really kind of have a safe space to kind of tap into mm. feeling familiar even though you're away from home 
And I feel like that's why that music and that kind of scene did it for me. Yeah. Where do you where do you kind of see? Um, it's, it's, I think it's a little bit broader than music, but where do you see the influence of African culture going? Not only in London, but on more of a global scale. I feel like you know there, it's getting there. You know, when you see, say for instance, someone like you know Ghanaian Jew like Asaka, and you got people here like Abracadabra and Eliwan, etc. I think you're slowly starting to see that kind of crossover in terms of we, we share the same heritage, but also within that there are synergies within our subcultures now, maybe by proxy of the internet, that kind of lessons any kind of type of hierarchy when you go back home to be able to connect and to be able to build. And I feel like there are a lot of artists they're probably just at the start of um, exploring this sense of kind of dual heritage and how that will kind of play um, culturally. That's that's one thing I'm excited mm. in terms of like on on paper the things you think are oh, it, it makes sense, and after you take a step back, oh shit! Like these people are from similar parts of Africa, or similar parts of the world, and then they come together, you know, and and build stuff creatively that. They let everyone else almost um, learn or kind of educate parts of their kind of background a bit more. But it's through the artists. Artists are almost like reconfiguring this idea of like who who historians are and just like letting people know that there are different parts of their kind of identity that they can they can kind of bring to the forefront. So that's that's one aspect I think I'm definitely looking forward to seeing a lot more. That's wavy, man. Um... So you spoke you spoke about like what drove you to 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 write uh, your book, but like I, I kind of want to like dig into like the process of it a little bit and ask you what was kind of like the hardest parts about bringing that together. Um, like, how did you go about getting a publishing deal? Um, just so like, if someone is listening to this that has the aspirations to write a book at any stage in their life, they can kind of follow that that blueprint from you. So I think, you know, I think from a kind of writing or kind of personal perspective, you should always try and be curious, always have your kind of ears and eyes open to like many different kind of sources or kind of information. You know, it could be a podcast or it could be a book, or it could be a film, or it could be going to a poetry night, or it could be doing like a theatre course. Like these are different things that I did just to have a space just to write. And it was almost just like I was experimenting with different forms in terms of how I could make someone really engage in my writing. So when I went and did the kind of theatre stuff, it was one, it was the most accessible and free for me to kind of get into. But then two, I felt like it's the last place within culture where, you know, if you're in that space, you are zoned in. You're not looking at your phone. At cinema, you might do it, but if you're not looking at your phone, you're really engaged by the stage directions, the lights, what someone is doing on stage back to you and how that's conveyed back to you. So I thought it was really interesting to try and learn that kind of craft and how I might in, in put like little kind of metaphors or things in my writing to like really kind of hold people with regards to like 
feeling all these different types of senses, but like coming off a page. So that was one aspect. Um, going to kind of poetry nights, going to see you know different people get up on the stage, kind of really show their emotions in a really raw and emotive way, but they come off and everyone's got something to pick off or a line someone said or the way they stress something and how they kind of hold and captivate people. So that was another aspect in terms of like me wanting to build um, my storytelling from that from that saying. And then um, I guess it's also a case of speaking with your peers you know, because there are a lot of people in the kind of poetry scene in London or a lot of people that are in the kind of theatre scene in London, they are all quite multifaceted. They're quite fluid. They've, they've gone across like different, I guess, kind of creative, um, creative fields. And it's almost this idea that you always want to refresh or keep yourself inspired by, by what you're doing, like free your peers. So like those are all different kind of elements and aspects in which like, Help me kind of bring this to to life, the kind of journey. You know, it's been a long one, you know, over a decade long, but I wouldn't have kind of changed it any other way because, you know, just the stories and to be able to kind of connect the dots from a kind of personal level, but like from um, a wider, wider kind of research um, level has been like invaluable. And I hope, I hope people can can really see like what's going to go in this book yeah I can see why you call yourself a storyteller and curator now because it's even if you wasn't going to release this book even if you you know if people weren't going to read it you still would have been interested in this stuff and you still would have done this at the end of the day and that's what I mm. think is sick in it like you've managed to sort of combine your your two loves which is well multiple loves but you're playing the field out here, bruv. But, um, you know, like your your culture, your heritage, music, and then expressing that through the medium of writing, I think is a really beautiful thing. I think oftentimes people have these passions but don't really know how to necessarily package and express them. And I think what you've done is super sick because now now other people can get an insight into fundamentally your what you're passionate about and you can sort of spread that joy. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's, that's just a beautiful thing, bro. Like, I didn't really, when you, when you said um, storyteller career, I think that's what a lot of people would refer to themselves as. But now hearing your story, your journey, you really, you're really in the trenches, in it? Like, you love this shit. You know what I mean? No. I mean? And now you're, now you've been able to put together a piece of work that allows you to spread that joy. And I think it's a beautiful thing. So shout, shouts out to you, number one. Shouts out to everyone that was kind of there to support you and help you bring it to life because I can imagine that wasn't an easy process at all. I have one last question before I hand over to the guys. Like, did you ever doubt yourself during this process? No. I say that because because of the different kind of interviews I did and, you know, how, how rigorous I kind of approach kind of trying to interview people and almost like who I use that Nardwa to a certain extent in terms of like a guide like if people don't know Nardwa you know he's a great he's a great interviewer in terms of like always keeping people 
on their toes and bringing out different kind of aspects from their livelihood in terms of how rigorous his research is or just like his joy to kind of kind of delve into that and you can see it when you know some of these artists come in and they're, they're, they've been on a kind of PR kind of trail and they're not interested but like when it comes to him he like he slowly falls them and they kind of open up and they defrost and that's how I wanted to approach writing this and speaking to these people I wanted to let them know that you know I'm not just like top lining or just seeing a just read a kind of PR press statement and I just come to talk like rubbish to you that I've actually I do care about like what you what you've built and what you've you've kind of brought together. So kind of using that as a guide and a kind of same approach to how I interview people, like it's kind of showed me that sticking to these kind of rules of that kind of that process pays off and, and it's hard don't get me wrong because you know there'll be loads of people maybe listening or wanting to do something but it's almost like you can easily put your thought out there on the internet then you're then you then you, you feel you feel sad when you don't get a response that you think that you know this idea or this research like yeah I'm the one that busts you like remember back in the day like when you you tell your mate or your friend that, oh, I've heard this new sick tune or whatever. And nine times out of 10, they would never listen to it. And they, they would not know. And you feel like, oh, sick. I'm the first person that's telling you. Like, I used to wake up in the morning whilst I was doing revision and like back in the day and then before school, <laughs> go into like, um, what's it called? Lime Wire or like, or Kazar or whatever. Yes. And just like, and go into the go to like go to like um the Billboard Hot 100 and let's literally sift through the tune that's like 97. But I can see it's rising in like three months when it comes to the UK in the summer. Like that's the one that's gonna blow. And then people, like, you heard that tune, and then like no. But then now, if you say the same kind of thing, people are like, yeah. And it's not that kind of same kind of excitement. So my idea behind this is that I've got all these stories that I've built up over a long time. How do I kind of just hone it in when everyone else looks like they're kind of popping off and they're doing their thing and they're, they're getting accolades. Like, let's put it all into a book because it's going to live way beyond me and God forbid anything happens to Instagram or all these things. So, I mean, a lot of us are portfolios out there in the cloud. So if someone wants to come and wipe it all out, you're just like, <laughs> big one, it's all gone. So that was the kind of thing that was driving me to be like, you know what, just like, dive into this process and make sure that you just do it to the, the, the best you can within this book. And I feel like, yeah, that's what's kind of definitely um, giving me that that buzz, yeah. Billboard Boateng would be proud of you, bro. Yes, he would. <laughs> Number 92 and looking to see if it's rising just so in three weeks' time, I can tell you, I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> bro. I can't lie. I used to, uh, the Billboard albums will come out in America on Tuesday. AOL Music used to allow you to listen to albums, American albums on a Monday because the albums came out a day earlier. And then the Billboard stats before the album, everything came out on f- uh, Friday, Spotify. Or Apple Music would Speaking come out. Speaking to on... the mic, big fella. We good? Sorry, sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while. Um, yeah. And then, um, what am I saying? Yeah, so I, I would I would watch like like a hawk first week album sales of the biggest rappers. I remember I was on Lil Wayne respectfully from early, and the Carter Two on Wikipedia the first week sales were were incorrectly reported. 
So, you know, Wikipedia, you can edit the thing. I verified them myself. <laughs> and that's when I knew I was hooked. Weezy, Weezy F baby and the F is for factual, fam. Yo. That is... So fucking so, good. So, Christian, as you know, we have a lot of affinity, but like... Bro, honestly, I, I love the game. So that's why viewers or listeners, they call me Billboard Boateng from time to time because I love stats. So, Christian, that's another thing we have. I'm dropping the mic. <laughs> nah, Christian, man, like, just listening to you speak, you realise that you have a real passion for what you do, man. Yeah. And I think it's infectious. And the process in which, or the time in which that you've gone through to work out and to craft your art, your work, should be... Um, commended man it's, re- it's commendable so like big shout out to you as you have said um thank you again for like giving us your time and for rocking with us man because you are you're a homie at the end of the day you know what i'm saying like you're someone that comes and listens to us on a weekly basis and shows us love in it so we're we're honored to have you on our on our on our platform and giving you like the space to talk about your book in in a way that we can in it yeah, thank you for thank you guys for having me, man. It's been a uh, as always, you know. I mean? It's going to be surreal when I I'm on my Sainsbury shop in the weekend again, and it's like <laughs> listen to this like myself this time around. But um, <laughs> no, it's all love to you guys, man. And yeah, thank you for you know providing the laughs and and the stories and just like letting people know about the nuances of you know despite having um, despite being born in in the UK or despite being born in in, in West Africa, there are different ideas and aspects of of kind of blackness that unites together. And mm. yeah, you, you really do do that, you know. Because my brother, he listens to a lot, of, a lot of the kind of podcasts. He put me on kind of early on, but um, yeah, you guys are very, very like unique take. And um, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Love that, man. Oh, stop here. <laughs> where, where, <laughs> where can people um, buy your book? Where can they follow you? Um, let people know. So for the book, I recommend you guys go to um, the Jacaranda uh, website. Let me just pull it up right now. Which is... I can type properly. So if you go to Jacaranda, Jacaranda Books, artmusic.co.uk you can go in there and you'll see um, a quick thing on Afrobeats and also some of the forthcoming titles in the series because it's not just me I've got a shout out to my publisher Shakarana shout out to Max Abraha who's the visionary that came up and gave me that kind of call up to come and write this book um, in the first place but you can go there go support the black owned um, publishers here and doing amazing bits is giving me a lot of rights that kind of platform to tell the story unapologetically so um, yeah go check out there you can follow me if you want on um, C Adolfo underscore on Instagram um, post occasionally some proper serious stuff other times if you see some random stuff on there which you might find you might find funny you might not but it's up to you if you want to Keeping so, yeah, it, it humble as a mumble in the jungle. I love it, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know you call that Kwame, but um, <laughs> little somber one. Prayers and love out to everybody that is being affected by Putin's madness right now. And um, 
just wanted to just say that. But yeah, you've been listening to the Out of Fun podcast with your boys, Kieran, Kwame, and Yaf. Stephen is out there doing his thing. Uh, big love to you. And we were joined by Christian Adafo. Thank you again, my bro. Appreciate it. Thank you, my chief. Please send us a recording because we, uh, we love know for this it. <laughs> Trust me. Hey, hey you hey, lot. You lot the boys are crazy. Hey, come on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.